How are we all doing? It's brisk and sunny in the New York area. But I think it's going to be sunny the rest of the summer. And the one thing I'm noticing is Steve Cohen is getting a lot of ink and attention for the money he's going to put forward to the Mets and his commitment to winning. And that is a good thing. And honestly, they can have a Steve Cohen tax, a fourth tax, a fifth tax for Steve, but it looks like he will not be stopped. It looks like he wants to win so bad and he is so ambitious about winning that it doesn't matter how much he has to pay. He did say that the team is going to be careful in describing how his team is going to be navigating the payroll, and that's good. You just don't want to spend for the sake of spending, but the deal they got for Bassett was fantastic, and that's a trade. We did give up two prospects, but prospects are just that, prospects. We heard a lot about J.T. Ginn. Uh, he's coming off of Tommy John. He was the most prized out of the two. Uh, but it looks like Uncle Steve is all in, and he'll do every year what it takes to get in as long as we don't mortgage too much of the future, I guess. Like I said, J.T. Ginn wasn't one of our top prospects, one of the top-tier prospects like Vientos, Alvarez, Mauricio, and uh, Batty, but... So we didn't touch those guys at all, and that's a good thing. And through this all, this past year where Uncle Steve ran the show, we have amassed the largest payroll in team history and the third highest in Major League history. And it doesn't look like Uncle Steve is going to slow down or it's going to go down any, uh, or maybe even go sideways. It looks Steve's saying that he will be willing to spend more than the 290 Uh so we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not rooting for him to spend more than 290 but if a missing piece is needed and Steve has to do it, it's good to know that the money issue will not be stopping him. Now, like I said, his fellow owners established a new fourth luxury threshold tax of $290 million, especially designed, from what I'm hearing, to harness on Cohen, which is likely trying to contain a tidal wave. For Cohen, in addressing reporters Sunday morning at Culver Park, he revealed yet to say that his baseball operations department has been told to avoid a player based on cost and remains open to whatever is brought to him. And you're going to love these words, Met fans. Cohen said, I'm okay with it, and I'm willing to live with it, and we'll leave it at that. So no need to talk about it. If the move has to be made, Uncle Steve is going to do it. The addition of Chris Bassett on Saturday and Adam Adovino on Sunday added roughly $13 more million 13 million more in payroll, and that jumps the Mets to around 286 million payroll for luxury tax purposes. Now they can redirect to JD Davis or Jeff McNeil and or Dom Smith, but that is likely going to be offset by ads of a lefty reliever, backup outfielder, and a few more items to deepen the roster. Considering that the highest the Wilpons ever reached with a luxury tax payroll was 193 million in 2020, this is an incredible number. They were trying to parlay a Hail Mary last shot at winning it all while simultaneously sprucing up the roster 
for sex appeal, knowing that they'd be selling the team. So the Wilpons were actually trying to make the product more desirable. And this is why the other owners loved the Wilpons. Even when they were going to spend like never before, the other owners weren't going to be just fine with its limits. They were never going to upset the commissioner's office with a payroll more befitting a mega team in New York. This also worked for the Wilpons pre-Madoff debacle and certainly after because their comfort zone was pinching in a penny, pinching a penny, I should say, rather than spending it. Now, the Wilpons, we can barely see them in the rear viewer anymore, and that's a good thing. No one's talking about them. Uncle Steve has taken over 100% of the way. And if anything, inhabiting George Steinbrenner 2.0, as some people are liking to call him, uh, Cohen has bristled at comparisons to the former Yankee owner. But the luxury tax was conceived nearly a quarter of a century ago with restraining Steinbrenner payrolls front and center. And any reporter has covered spring training with Steinbrenner could not avoid the similarities with how Count Cohen is being viewed. Now, there are all questions about when he might be coming. Will he be talking? And like the Pied Pep Piper-like procession to follow him wherever he might go in a spring training complex. So yes, he does have that magnetic power, and people are always looking for a quote from Uncle Steve. But he has been tame. He really just says very little. Uh, he lets his wallet do the talking. Uh, he never acknowledged before the fourth tax level with penalties as the Cohen tax, and has said it's better to build a bridge, better to have a bridge being named after you or something like that. It is better than having a bridge being named after you in regards to the tax. He doesn't mind the tax at all. And he did not place a championship robust expectation on his roster saying, listen, you know it all looks good on paper. It's hard to know what's going to happen in real life, right? So you know I'm looking forward to a great season. I think we're going to be really competitive, and we'll see what happens. And basically that's all you can do every year is put a team that you think is competitive out there, enough out there to, on the field to win a championship. When you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. Now, the answer provided a primer more on Cohen's speech pattern than his club. He often begins thoughts with listen and detours to write to emphasize his point. There are a bunch of you know and not in the previous quote, but littered throughout his conversation are a bunch of okays. Most important to Met fans, especially after a parsimonious past, was the absence of the word stop. Cohen's wallet imagination have both remained open. Money buys happiness among the fans when teams spend it. But a high payroll does not guarantee even the playoffs, much less a championship. So while the new boss, as some are calling him, scores top grade so far in his willingness to invest in payroll while simultaneously bedeviling his rival owners, the longer-term question about where this leads remains captivating. Is it like Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven or ACDC's Highway to Hell? We shall find out. But no matter what, A is the grade I'm going to give Steve Cohen, maybe even A-plus for all his efforts. Finally, we can head into a season having realistic dreams of a championship. Now, one of the main reasons the Mets may win it all is if Jacob deGrom has the kind of year he has been having. And people are a little skittish. I'm a little skittish. But the good word is he's going to be operating as normal after his injury-plague season. Uh, and it also seems like uh, among Mets fans and baseball people in general, Jake's health status remains the most pertinent. Now, the Mets' ace, according to Epler, isn't facing restrictions in preparing for the season. DeGrom missed the second half of last season because of elbow inflammation and was later diagnosed as a low-grade tear of the ulnar collateral ligament. Now, Billy Epler has come out and said it looks like he, he's normal. He just goes out and operates as normal. 
and he hasn't been told anything otherwise. Now, the Grom long tossed after reporting to camp Sunday and has thrown off a mound this season, off-season, according to Epler. Showalter, Buck Showalter, said each of his pitchers is working on a different schedule. The shortened spring training following the lockout will add a different dimension to this camp. And Showalter saying that DeGrom has been throwing, but maybe not the same as Scherzer, maybe not the same as Walker, because everybody is a little bit different. Even though they have been around, this is a little bit different animal, but it's where the finish line is. We hope it's sometime late in October. Now, let's not give up on the Mets adding to the lineup either. Uh, Schwarber, Brian, and Conforto are still among the remaining bats in the free agent market. But Epler has come out and said that the Mets feel fairly good about the position players on their roster. He has said he will not rule anything out, but would be fairly surprised we went after another bat or anything like that at this juncture. Epler noting that the additions of Kana, Marte, and Eduardo Escobar and Robinson Cano's return from PED suspension might be enough to uh, actually sustain the Mets in the offensive area. Uh, and I guess, like anyone else, you expect their numbers to be closer to their career numbers and standards of performance. So uh, I agree with him. Uh, unless you can get a really good deal on a batter, why overstock yourself? See what happens, and if you have to make a move towards the deadline, then go ahead and do it. Like, the move they made for Chris Bassett is amazing. He is an impact pitcher. Out here in the East Coast, if you're a Met fan, you probably follow the National League in the East Eastern teams more than that, but he was very, very good. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball yesterday. Now, granted, we did trade JT Ginn and Adam Euler to Oakland for him. Uh, I've talked about both of those in the past, both of those pitchers in the past, but when you get a guy who's a proven commodity like Bassett, and his last three years have been fantastic statistically, you got to go for the sure thing. Now, Epler, who basically was with the Angels all these years, got to see a lot of Epler, I mean, uh, Bassett. And uh, he pounds the strike zone, and there's no fear in him. And there's a lot of things that the Met management loved about him. And I think he is going to relish the opportunity to pitch in this rotation, especially when the pressure is not going to be on him to be number one when it's DeGrom and Scherzer, and he's the number three. But what a number three he is. And even Showalter said he received a strong scattering report on Bassett as a person from Kanha when the two were teammates in Oakland. So he's not only the right fit athletically, but maybe personality-wise too. And that's something to say. Now, who had something to say? Robbie Cano had something to say. Uh, even Francisco Endor told the Post last year that Cano should apologize to, a teammates, to his teammates upon returning from a season-long suspension. And really, I think Cano made that apology yesterday. I haven't heard anything. Don't have inside sources. Uh, but it would be good. It would clear his head, and players might accept him more. Uh, he did play in the Dominican over the winter. So we'll, uh, the Mets are probably looking forward to see what he can handle physically especially in spring training, which would be a witness test. So I expect a lot, a lot of Robinson Cano when we're watching these spring training games. And how about Adam Adovino? I like this guy. He used to appear on uh, MLB Network all the time, a special guest, especially on MLB Now with Brian Kenny. He's a smart baseball dude, and he, he reflects he's smart on the mound too. So with uh, Jaris Familia gone, and I'm not disappointed Jaris is gone, 
he was bad for my blood pressure. So hopefully Adam Adovino can fill in nicely for him. Uh, he went 7-3 and three with a 4.21 ERA and 11 saves last season in 69 appearances. He's a Brooklyn boy, and he pitched for the Yankees. Yeah, remember him? 2019-2020, across the river in the Bronx. Like I said, his addition came a day after the Mets addressed their rotation by acquiring Bassett. So uh, a lot of additions to the Mets uh, team during the offseason, so... We weren't standing still, even with the lockout. Pre-lockout and post-lockout were making moves. Now, the good thing is, Adovino ranked in the 95th percentile in hard-hit ball percentage, according to Baseball Savant, and he ranked in 93rd percentile on average exit velocity. So, which means they don't really hit Adam hard. Sometimes it's just luck the way the ball bounces. So he'll be joining Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Seth Lugo, and Miguel Castro in the bullpen. Now, the one thing the Mets may still be lacking is someone to replace Aaron Loop. So we'll see. Rumor has it. Uh, there are options in Andrew Chafin and Brad Hand. And they'll look at Alex Cordio, who appeared in 41 games last year for the Angels, even though he had a high ERA of 5.51. So uh, they'll probably add a lefty, I think, after all is said and done, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, it's an interesting part of the, the offseason now because – now it's spring training here. The Mets are basically at the intersection. The winter meetings meets day one of spring training all at the same time. Uh, there's a lot of things written down on paper, but not too much time to comprehend it. And it's time to bring this all to life. And the one thing I do like about the Mets is they're bringing in Keith Hernandez, David Wright, Mike Piazza, Al Leiter, and Mookie Wilson, alumni expected to participate in spring training. Now the Yankees always just do that. I think they still do that. And according to uh, Buck Showalter, Hernandez even may report as early as Monday. So that is so good to see that they're trying to win, rub off the influence of past Mets and their winning ways to the current squad. It's about time the Mets have had a history of uh, and legacy of what happened in the past. And how about Josh Donaldson being traded to the Yankees? Remember last year before we got Javier Baez? Uh there was rumors that Josh Donaldson might be coming to the Mets in a trade, including Ben Rudvitt, the catcher from the Twins, because the Mets were looking at him as a strong defensive backup catcher. But we got Baez instead, so it was a good, good deal for the Yankees, I think. Uh, I think Gary Sanchez was a cancer. But yes, Josh Donaldson almost became a Met, but now he's in New York anyway. He's going to be playing for the Yankees. Good luck to Josh Donaldson. Now it's time to celebrate Met birthdays. We have one on tap today. Josh Stinson, born this date in 1988. Happy birthday, Josh. And a couple of transactions occurred for the Mets on this day. The Mets claimed Fernando Nieve on waivers from the Houston Astros on this date in 2009. And it was the end of Johan Santana's career as a Met as the Orioles signed. Well, he was already gone at this point. Uh, no, he was still on the team. I beg your pardon. As Bob Murphy likes to say, I beg your pardon. The Orioles signed Jose, uh, Jose, Johan Santana on this day. So there are your transactions and birthdays for this date in Met history. Now let's talk a little bit about Josh Stinson, shall we? He was drafted by the Mets in the 37th round in the 2006 MLB draft, and he began his professional career that season. He split 2006 between the Gulf Coast League Mets and the Hagerstown Suns, going combined 1-3 and three with a 1.79 ERA in 12 games. Seven starts. In 2007, he pitched for the Savannah Sand Nats. Remember all these minor league teams the Mets had? <laughs> they were fun times, right? 
saying that. So love that team nickname. Well, anyway, in 2007, Stinson went 3-11 with a 4.86 ERA in 26 games, 21 of those starts with the Sand Nats. And then in 2008, with the Sand Nats and St. Lucie Mets, Stinson posted a 3-8 record with a 3.96 ERA in 28 games, 8 starts. In 2009, he pitched for the Sand Nats and St. Lucie Mets and went 5-3 with a 2.86 ERA in 50 games, only one start. He pitched for the Binghamton Mets and the Buffalo Bisons in 2010, going 11-5 with a 3.90 ERA in 36 games, which was 18 starts. He made his Major League debut on September 2, 2011 for the Mets against the Washington Nationals. He pitched one and two-third innings, giving up two hits and no runs. And he also drew a walk in his first plate appearance. All told, uh, for the Mets, Mr. Stinson in 2011 pitched in 14 games with an ERA of 6.92. And then the Milwaukee Brewers claimed him on April 4, 2012. So it was a one-year career with the Mets for Josh Stinson. All right, now it's time for today's New York Met trivia question and final Jeopardy. Who's ready? Get your pens out and your paper ready. Here's today's trivia question. Only one Met player has had two games where he hit at least three home runs. Who is that player? Now today's final Jeopardy. Two clues. In 1965, posted an impressive 3-1 record with a 2.81 ERA, 17 walks, only 16 strikeouts, and 48 innings pitched. The second clue is he warded numbers 43, 45, and 47 as a Met. Lock in your answers, and we'll be back at the end of the podcast to see how you did. Now it's time to talk about what's going on in the greatest baseball group there is for New York Mets fans on Facebook, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're listening to this podcast and aren't a member, check us out on Facebook. Join great content there every day. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't subscribed, please do subscribe. And... Check out my TikTok account. It's called Baseball Way of Lifer. And my uh, Twitter feed, which is Baseball Way of Life. You won't be disappointed. Uh, Now let's talk about what's going on in the group. Shall we? Yes, we shall. Uh, Mike Freed put up a good post showing Max and Jake both throwing together at spring training. That was Beautiful, just a beautiful sight. Then we mentioned on this date in 1961, the Mets scored former Yankee general manager George Weiss out of retirement to become the club's first president. They reportedly offered the four-time Sporting News executive year a five-year deal at $100,000 annually. During the 67, during the 67-year-old New Haven, Connecticut's first five years in the post, the expansion team will complete a record of. 260 and 547, not that good, but he didn't have the talent. With a winning percentage of 322, finishing in last four times. Then we showed a picture of the uh, Daily News cover sh- back cover shot with Mike Lupica quoting uh, a quote from Mike Lupica saying that baseball is back and still rules in New York as Yankees and Mets vie to be kings of the city. Yes, shades of the mid 2000s again. I love it. Then we posted a, vi- a video of Mo Vaughn's historic 505 hit, 505 feet home run, which actually went up about 
two-thirds, three-quarters of, of the way of the uh, old auxiliary scoreboard, the big scoreboard at Shea. We showed a picture where Shea Stadium's home plate is currently located, with City Field as the backdrop. After the miracle. Mike Freed always giving us the updates on what's going on in the collective bargaining agreement. You'll have to subscribe or become a member of the group to uh, actually uh, read all Mike's great posts. Then we noted that no American pitcher had appearances of seven or more innings last year, except for Chris Bassett, who had the 11. Oh, listen, here's uh, always good stuff. You have to join. Uh, it's a requirement if you listen to this podcast. No, just kidding. But we'd love to have you aboard. Uh, like I said, good stuff there every day. And uh, we even had a picture, back page picture of Zach Wheeler from uh, five years, seven years ago where he was scratched with a tender elbow and blister and it said hell, hell on wheels in the back page of the Daily News. So good stuff like that every day. We also showed a picture of Jack Lemon at Chase Stadium filming the scene of the odd couple talking with Tommy Davis, former Met before the shooting. Uh, great shot of Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, and Ron Swoboda before the Giants took on the Mets at Shea. Another great shot of Tom Seaver and Catfish Hunter, two pitching legends before Game 3 of the 73 World Series. So again, join up and you'll get an opportunity to check out everything that's on the site. We'd love to have you. Well, let's get back to our answers for the trivia and the uh, baseball jeopardy. Med baseball jeopardy, shall we? Yes, we shall. Once again, the trivia question was only one Med player has had two home games where he hit at least three home runs. Who is that player? Well, the correct answer is Joannis Cespedes. In the group, our uh, trivia legend, Kareem Haywood, was the first to get that one right. And our Jeopardy, Jeopardy question of the day, two clues. 1965, posted a 3-1 record with a 2.81 ERA, 17 walks and only 16 strikeouts and 48 innings pitched. And he wore numbers 43 and 45 and 47 as a Met. Who is it? Well, the correct answer is who is Daryl Sutherland? And congrats to our good friend and great Met fan, John Tierney, on being the first to get that response correct. Well, that's going to wrap it up for another Met podcast. We'll be talking soon, perhaps tomorrow, hopefully. And uh, keep you up to date. Spring training games are only a few days away, and we'll be reporting on every one of them. So check us out tomorrow. And again, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me. And those who are in the group, thanks. And if you're not a member, please join. And we love having you and have you love. You don't know how much it means to me to have you listen to these podcasts. So again, mucho gracias. And we'll talk again tomorrow. Enjoy the day. Weather's a little bit warmer than it was this weekend. That's an encouraging sign, meaning baseball's right around the corner. Take care, guys. Enjoy the day. And let's go, Mets. Where do they go?
Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kids.